Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike O'Kelly. Happy Wednesday. It is December 14th. Jeez, I almost said January. I started booking meetings for January and I got January on my my brain, Q1 on my brain, 2023 on my brain, but we're still in, in Q4. Now, I was talking with a lot of sales professionals recently, and I mentioned it yesterday on the podcast that by this point, the hay is kind of in the barn. You're going to be winding down. You got a couple deals you think you're going to be pulling through, but for the most part, it's on to Q. It's on to the next year. And this is a reflection time. This is a time to start thinking about pivoting and coming up with new plans. And yesterday, I kind of teased it. I kind of briefly talked about the success process. And there are a lot of ways that people might discuss this, but this is the success process. First is create a plan. You know, I'm a big process and systems guy. Okay. Create a plan for whatever you're going to do. You have to create a plan. If not, you're going to be in chaos. You can always deviate from a plan, but if you don't have one, you're just shooting from the hip. That is not the recipe for success long-term. The success process, create a plan, execute that plan, analyze the results, refine, then create plan adjustments, execute, analyze results, refine, create a plan, well, create a plan adjustments, execute, analyze results, refine. You're going to continue this over and over and over and over again. It is the reason why your process is so important when you're running your business. You focus on the process. You're not going to focus on activity. This is the problem that's happening right now. And I believe it's the biggest plague. It's the biggest cancer in the sales world is everything is running on activity. And that is not a process. Activity is not a process. Just simply going out and making sales calls is not a sustainable process. I have not been at a company yet where they cared what type of calls were being made. They just cared about the volume of calls. And that is what misses the mark. And quite frankly, that is probably the reason why in almost 100% of the jobs and the roles that I had, the previous reps failed because they were simply working about activity and not productivity. They weren't thinking about optimizing their territory and being efficient. They weren't thinking about a process. They weren't thinking about building something that was sustainable that you can build upon. That is what you should be doing. And guess what? Your companies do not know these territories better than you do. So when you start a new position, your company is not going to hand you a playbook for your area. You have to create it. You have to understand your territory, your business, your market better than anybody else. Your company is not going to hand that to you. You have to develop it. You have to build the process. Now, what they're going to help you with is they're going to help you define what to talk about. Define the messaging, define possibly even the people you should be calling on. They might hand you a target list. It doesn't mean that that target list is going to stay in perpetuity. It just means that's a jumping off point. And I want you to think about that. Don't lean so much on what your company has handed you because they're viewing it from wherever their corporate office is. So I'll tell you where some of my corporate offices have been. 
uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Atlanta, Georgia, Boca Raton, Florida, St. Louis, Missouri, Scottsdale, Arizona, Cincinnati, Ohio. Do you think that any of those companies knew more about Charlotte and the North and the Carolinas than I do? I don't know anything about Cincinnati. I don't know anything about Scottsdale, Arizona. So how do you, how is my company going to know that Dr. So-and-so prefers that reps go and, and, and see uh, him at location B as opposed to location A on what day? And that's when you can have buying decisions. They, they can't. There's too much information that happens at the local level. There's no way that a company is going to be able to create a better process than you can. So here's the deal. I've talked with a lot of sales reps and they get, they put so much pressure on themselves when they go out into the field and they try to create the best process that they're just going to, they're just going to play and play and play and play for the next three to five years. I'm going to tell you right now, if you were doing that, you're going to set yourself up for failure, period. You are going to be changing your plan every quarter. Now, when I mean changing your plan, I'm talking about there could be tweaks, but if it's not working, yes, you're going to have to have a major overhaul. overhaul. But you're going to have to tweak things. You're not going to get it perfect. That's okay. We're not striving for perfection. When I talk about optimization, optimization is not perfection. Efficiency is not perfection. Okay. And the reason why is we are flawed. Our thinking is flawed. We bring biases. Even when you're not supposed to have emotion, we're going to bring emotion into it. You're going to be out there in the field and you're going to think to yourself, I just had something cancel. It's 1045 in the morning and I've got a meeting at noon. What's going to happen is your emotion, your thought process is going to override what you know you should be doing because selling is a little bit emotion. It's a little bit of psychology. And sometimes you just need a quick win. I get it. I've had to do it sometimes where I've just had a rough morning and I'm like, I need to get a quick win. I need to recalibrate before my big meeting at noon. Okay. And the reason why you shouldn't worry about that is because that isn't the most efficient thing to do, but it's what's going to help me close the beat, close the deals. That's going to help me be productive. So you're never going to hit hundred percent efficiency. You're never going to hit hundred percent optimization. You're never going to hit 100% in any of these categories. But what you want to do is you want to strive for doing the best that you can do. That's all you can that's all you can do. Is just strive to to maximize the opportunities in front of you. So, with that said, you want to make sure though that you keep analyzing, refining your process. So, for instance, when you start when you have any kind of new change, any start, you're going to want to do a couple things. You're going to want to come up with your ICP. Now, if you're starting out, it's your initial customer profile. Then it kind of bleeds into ideal customer profile. Who are you going to be calling on and why? There has to be a reason. You can't just throw darts in the dark. Once you come up with your ICP, you should have different levels of the profile. I'll give you an example. Okay. I've spent a lot of time in the dermatology world. So not all dermatology offices are the same. 
just like lawyer offices are not the same. Doctor's offices are not the same. Insurance companies are not the same. Uh, body shops are not the same. Not every grouping within an industry is going to be the same. So you have to treat them differently and you have to look at it from a nuanced perspective. So what I would do, especially the last uh, position I had, I was selling radiation machines. So the first thing I looked at was, do they have a surgeon? Because if they had a surgeon, they were less likely to be interested in the beginning to hear what I had to say, because they already had a protocol for skin cancer removal. And if they already had a, pro a protocol for skin cancer removal, they might think to themselves, well, I don't need this. So within those, they're going to be hospital-owned dermatology clinics, privately-owned dermatology clinics, dermatology clinics with uh, a Mohs surgeon, with a skin surgery uh, center. I'm going to treat all of those differently. And so what I do is within my ideal customer profile, you start to get more specificity. So number one, what you do is you want to start out large. Dermatologists. And then after that, I like to keep everything in threes. You create three buckets. It doesn't mean that those are the only buckets that your prospects, your clients can go into. It just means that you want to keep it as simple as possible. So just pick three. These will be the top three. So for instance, I would put them into buckets like privately held practice, uh, privately held practice with no surgeon, privately held practice with a surgeon, privately held uh, corporately held practice with, without a surgeon. And what I mean by corporately held, if it was multi-store, you know, in Charlotte, North Carolina, there's Piedmont plastic surgery and dermatology. There's like eight locations. There's, it's a big, massive group. And so those decisions are gonna be a little bit different than if it's privately held, if it's one physician, if it's a big group like that, and it's not hospital-owned. Hospital-owned, there's a lot of bureaucracies. Um, somebody who's probably a non-physician is making a lot of the decisions. But in a group like uh, Provident, or um, not Providence, uh, Piedmont Plastic Surgery Dermatology, it was physician-owned. So, But you just have dozens of physicians making the decision. That's more of a group think. That's more of a hive mind. So that's going to be different. So you want to create different buckets, and you want to attack each bucket differently. So you want to come up with a plan and you want to figure out which bucket is the low hanging fruit. Okay. So the low hanging fruit for me, when I, when I was selling radiation machines was I was going to all the dermatology clinics that did, that were privately owned one or two locations, two max privately held dermatology clinics that had, that did not have a skin surgeon in the building. That's bucket one. Those are the ones that I'm going after, okay? Bucket two are going to be the privately held that do have it. Now, you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. Why are you going to a clinic that has a skin surgeon as opposed to a more corporate? And I'll tell you why. Again, I can get a decision a lot quicker at a privately held clinic. Even if they have a surgeon on staff, I can get a decision a lot faster than I can in a corporate. The corporate store is going to be nine to 12 month sales cycle, possibly. The single is probably a three month call cycle and the other is a six month. And so what you want to do is you want to view it as how long will it take me to pull them through the sales cycle? 
your first bucket should be the first three months. Your second bucket should be up to six months. And your fourth bucket or third bucket should be anywhere from six to 12 months. That's how you build out a process for the year. And you focus on each individual bucket, who you're going to be calling on, what is your messaging, and how you're going to be bringing them along. What type of assets, what budget are you going to use? How are you going to take them from whatever phase they are in and pull them into being a user, closing the deal? That is how you start out your process. Okay, now you know who you're calling on. Now you need to decide, okay, what do I need to do to effectively get my message across? If you're starting a new territory that's never been seen before, everybody's going to be completely unaware. But if you're new to a job, there could be other accounts in your area that are using your product or service. You want to go talk to them first, and you want to ask them a ton of questions. That I would do this every single time I start a new position. I would go to the people that I thought were advocates or at least users, and I would ask them every question you can possibly think of. You know, and I would usually do a, I usually would do a lunch or I'd bring them coffee. I would do something where I would get extended time. I didn't want to take away from their business, but I asked them a bunch of questions. Why did you make why did you make the choice to go with my company or my product or my service? What else have you tried in this space? What is your, what have your experiences been like? And then I also want to see if there's anything else I could add on. They might be using a product, but I might have a new product that just came out that I can add on. So you want to go to the offices that, or the pro or the businesses, the buyers who've already said yes to your company. They've already said yes to your product or service, or they've said yes to you in the in the past. But once you figure out who you're going to be talking, who you're going to, who you're going to be calling on, then you got to find out. What am I, what am I, what's my messaging going to be? And so unless you don't know where they are, you need to walk in with open-ended questions, assuming they are unaware. One question I, I used to like, I used to ask is how familiar are you with my product? Open-ended. How familiar are you? Yeah, I've heard of you guys. Oh, have you, have you used the product before? Have you used any products in this category? Again, 10 questions deep. And every industry is going to be different, but come up with those open-ended questions so you can find out exactly how and what they've been using. That's going to, that's going to microwave your industry knowledge with your specific products. You don't want to just beat yourself on the head by walking in and talking features and benefits. That gets you nowhere. You need to ask questions. Be very curious. So start with your, so your process in the beginning is going to be start with the people you're going to be calling on, focus on your three buckets, focus on your questions, get out in the field, and then find out the best times when you need to be talking to people, setting up meetings. Can anybody connect you? Find out if there's an advocate out there. Is there an advocate? Great. Who can you connect me with? And then work the plan, work the plan. I like to go at least three months with a plan when I start. Sometimes it can go further, but you create a plan and then that's the execution part of it. Then what you do is you analyze the results and you can, you don't have to wait three months to analyze the results. It could be two weeks and you're like, you know what? This isn't working. Don't keep just working the plan if you don't think it's working. And what, and when you know it's not working, you don't feel like you're moving anybody along the sales cycle. 
you feel like you're just spinning your wheels. If you're out there for a couple of weeks and you feel like you're spinning your wheels, you need to make an adjustment. Analyze the results and then refine. Okay, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? It's not working because X, Y, or Z. Change that, refine it, and then create the new plan and then execute that. The reason why some people skyrocket their sales in the beginning and they're very successful in the beginning is because they they refine, which is another word for pivot, very quickly. Okay, that's not working. You get out of a call, you're like, ooh, that's not working. I need to change this and I need to change it because of this. I've just been, I've, I've been in the industry so long that I can do that very quickly. I didn't when I first started. When I first started, my plans were much longer. My plans were six to nine months. Now, sometimes my plans are two to three weeks. I can kind of feel after talking to a couple of people, yeah, that's not working. Again, I don't hold myself to perfection. But when you start, when you're new, you have to take action. You create your plan and you have to execute it. And the execute part is critical. You've got to get out in the field. You've got to pound the pavement. You've got to shake hands. You have to talk to people. You have to talk to people in your industry. You have to get information. You can't sit at home and just wait and hope that it's going to get done. You are an outside sales professional. Get out there and start your success process. If you need help getting your success process built, reach out to me. Mike at Surviving Outside Sales. That's part of Sales Builder Academy. I can walk you through exactly what you need to do in your business and help you build out your process so you can scale if you're new to the industry, if you're new to outside sales, new company, new position, new products. If there's any change, there's anything new and you want help, reach out to me. Let's have a call. Again, I offer a free strategy call. And then if you want to take it further, you can. Also, if you are on the end of your career or you want to get a, make a change, that's the sales escape plan. That is, you know what? I just don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. I want to see what else is out there. I want to build something for the future, possibly a side hustle. I hate that phrase, but everybody knows what it means. Um, another stream of income, something that could replace your W-2 in the future. Because everyone has an expiration date and outside sales. We just don't know when it is. For some people, it's earlier than others. So reach out to me, uh, Mike at Surviving Outside Sales, if you want to have that free strategy session. Um, a lot of people have taken me up on that offer, and I absolutely love meeting everybody and hearing their stories across the country. And um, nobody international yet, but that's okay. Um, also, share the episode with like-minded person and have a conversation about the success process. Hey, what's your success process? Somebody might say, what do you mean? Well, this is, you know, I was listening to this podcast and he talked about the success process and, you know, it really has four stages and, um, you know, what is your success process? You know, I, I've just, I've had a lot of good, a lot of good um, mentors and I've had a lot of good practice over the years. I mean, really it's simple success process, four steps, create a plan, execute, analyze the results, refine slash pivot, rinse and repeat. It's not rocket science, but once you hear the framework and once you have the process and you can build your own business, it is very, it is simple. It's just not easy. You have to put in the work. It takes hundreds and thousands of hours of practice, work, sales calls, situations. You know, it's funny when I was, uh, when I was in college, um, one of our hitting coaches said, 
you know, the difference between the different levels of a baseball is not necessarily the speed it is, but it's not necessarily the speed. It is just when you're in high school, a lot of pitchers struggle with control. So they're just trying to throw fastballs right down the middle. And then you get into college and they've got a little bit better control and they're just trying to, they're just trying to throw their curve balls in the corner. And then you get into the professional ranks, which I did for two plus seasons and everything is <laughs> all of a sudden they're, they're, they're pitching to your weakness. That's the difference. In high school, they're just trying to hit the plate. In college, they're trying to hit the plate with all of their pitches. In the professional rank, they know where your your hole in your swing is. They know where your what your weakness is, and they exploit it. So for me, it was fastball in the inner half. Fastball in the inner half, slider away. I wasn't getting anybody doing that in college. Everybody was throwing me away, 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 away. Because as a power hitter, they were afraid if they threw it inside on me, I'd hit it out the yard, which I would. So I got, I got, I mean, I I'd probably 90% was away. But anyway, that is the difference. When you start out, you're not going to have the scenarios and the situations. You're not going to have that practice. So that's okay. You just have to get out there and have as many conversations as possible. You just have to focus on working your plan and just follow that step. And look, this is the beginning of the rest of your career, okay? And I know that a lot of people now, because of social media, they want to compare themselves to other people. You can't compare yourself to somebody else in this industry, okay? You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know how many years they have put into this. I don't compare myself to any other podcasters. I don't compare myself to anybody else in the industry. Okay. Neither should you focus on what you can control. And the first thing and the best thing that you can control today is building the right process. Okay. Just like those pitchers in high school, they're just trying to put the ball over the plate. All right. That's what you should be doing right now. Even if you are an experienced, you're kick-ass sales pro. If you have anything new, you've got to just focus on the process. Just like the high school pitcher trying to get it over the plate. And then once you can do that, once you've got command, then you start hitting the corners. Once you have that, then you start finding the weaknesses. Then you start exploiting the flaws and not the flaws, but the weaknesses of your comp of your competition and dominating your market. There's a process to everything and you have to go through these steps. So in 2023, if you haven't created your plan, you need to. Your plan in 2023 is not going to be the same plan you had in 2022. If you're just rinsing and repeating your plan from, from 2022, you're going to be sorely mistaken and you're, you're not going to be as successful as you could be. I'm not saying you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be as successful as you could be. The one thing the last five to six years has taught me is it's not about if you're quote unquote a success. What did you do with the opportunity that you had in front of you? That is what you should be focusing on. If you could have hit 3 million in sales, but you just repeated your process from 2022 and you hit 2.2, your company might pat you on the back and say you did a good job. But you just missed out on $800,000 in sales, which could have been an additional 60, 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 in commission. You just robbed yourself. 
And then who knows where that would have taken you, what you could have invested in. Could you have invested in a side hustle? Could you have invested somewhere? Again, it's a domino effect with your entire career. If you go out there and have the best process, your success process in 2023, who knows what that's going to, that chain reaction is going to lead to in five years. And this is what a lot of people in the industry don't think about. They don't think about the long-term plan. It's just, let me get through this quarter. Let me get through this, you know, let me get through this month. Let me get through this quarter. And we'll just figure it out. Yes, it's important to focus on the present, but please have a plan and an eye for the future. Thank you so much. Download, share with like-minded people. Reach out to me, Mike, at Surviving Outside Sales. Really do appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Surviving Outside Sales. Thank you. Bye-bye.